Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Uh, joining us now on the guest line, a guy that at his first career interception against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was a third-round pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. Nick Cross, the safety for the Colts, joins us. Nick, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I can't complain, man. I mean, here's the thing. And I used to be a guy, Nick, that, that that would look at things like, you know, the pessimistic side of things, right? But it's Christmas week, right? It's Christmas week. We're heading down the home. For you personally, you got to be thinking to yourself, okay, it's Christmas week, but here you are down the home stretch, and you guys have the the division within sight now. You've put yourself in that position. Take me through just kind of the overall mindset or energy that comes with that. No, it's definitely exciting. Um, you know, it's definitely exciting to know that, you know, you're in control of your own destiny. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you just take it one day at a time, one week at a time, and just, you know, you know what's ahead of us. But at the end of the day, you just got to make sure you take one step and put one foot in front of the other, and everything will take care of itself. It has been – let's go back to this, and I want to I want to kind of tag team it with how it might be helping the mindset from a team standpoint right now. But for you, Nick Cross, when you were drafted to the Colts, I remember we had your college coach on. And the discussion was, you know, you were an incredible athlete that you were still probably going to have to kind of learn and feel your way through the position at the NFL level, but you had the athleticism to be instinctive at your position. And you've kind of had to wait your time, truth be told, right, for the reps to come your way and then make the most of them. How difficult was that process to learn and have to rely on that patience while at the same time knowing that you had to be ready? Uh, it's just, you know, it can be difficult at times, you know, you know, the, the skill set that you have and you know that, you know, everybody wants what they want now. And, you know, it's definitely a good thing. You know, I always say that everybody's plan is different. You know, God has a different plan for everybody. And at the end of the day, his was to just teach me patience throughout the whole process, you know, teach me consistency, teach me just <clears throat> to continue to put in the work, even if the results weren't showing automatically or they weren't showing when I wanted them to. So it's just, you know, <clears throat> to teach, you know, just consistency, patience. And, you know, I feel like I grew a lot in those areas over this past year. Um, and it's definitely, you know, formed me into a better player, a better man, and just overall a better person. Cold safety, Nick Cross, nice enough to take some time with us. Nick, how has Gus Bradley been influential in your development slash through through all the, the ups and downs and the growth and the fight that you've had to go through to be able to be in this position? Uh, he's been very, <clears throat> very influential. Um, you know, someone who will always talk to me. You know, always very encouraging. You know, always trying to help me improve. You know, in a place where I can improve. Just you know, whether it's a little story here, a little story there, or you know, just an encouraging word here, an encouraging word there, or you know, sometimes he just you know call me into his office and we'll sit down and talk about you know life and you know not even really football. Um, but he's been someone who's always been there. Him, you know, Coach Milo, Coach Mike Mitch. You know, are guys who always, you know, <clears throat> no matter what's been going on, just say, you know, keep grinding, keep working. You know, your time's going to come. Just make sure you're prepared when it comes. Is there a singular moment you can point to besides the interception where things really started to click for you or where you felt like maybe you turned a corner this year? I'll probably go back to <clears throat> go back to training camp. Um, just, you know, being out there, taking all the reps, you know, it's strong, get free at nickel. Um, and just, you know, having to go out there and perform at a high level every day. Um, just trying to be the most consistent out there. And, you know, I definitely felt my game take, you know, a, a certain jump. 
just being out there and just having to be able to communicate at a high level to all the positions. And, you know, I talked to Gus at the end of training camp. He was like, look, you know, you're night and day from where you were last year. And that's kind of where, you know, I felt that, okay, like, you know, I can do this. I can do this at a high level. And now it's just continuing to put in the work and to put in the time to be able to make sure I'm prepared when the time comes. Nick, there are a lot of guys on the roster. Nick Cross of the Colts joins us. There are a lot of guys on the roster that have kind of gone through a process similar to yourself where, you know, they kind of had to wait till their number was called. Does that benefit this installment of the Colts this year in the fact of now you're at a point where you can't look too far ahead and you've got to go one week at a time. It's more critical now probably than ever with this last stretch. Does it benefit you to have a locker room full of guys that have had to take things in their career one week at a time? Uh, I think it definitely does. I think it's, you know, it's part of the identity of the team, just, you know, a team that's, you know, resilient, a team that fights through adversity. I'm a team that's not going to let, you know, one thing or another stop them from getting to where we need to get to. Um, You know, at the end of the day, you know, our team has been formed through adversity and it's one of those things that either makes you or breaks you and it, you know, it definitely reveals who you are. And I feel like throughout the year it's revealed that, you know, we're a tough team, you know, a competitive team. And at the end of the day, we don't rest until we get the result we need. So it's definitely good to be able to have that at this point in the season. How big a detriment or distraction is it to have personnel issues taking place away from the field that takes guys away? Uh, We try not to focus on that stuff. Um, Just focus on the, the task at hand, which is going out there every day, you know, working hard, studying in meetings, watching the film going on the practice field, taking care of my body, and ultimately just going out there and trying to win all Sundays. You know, you went to one of the – you went to DeMatha High School, right? Yes, sir. Which is probably uh, – let's be honest, Nick Cross. If you're talking about high school athletics <laughs> in the United States, it's got to be, like, top five. I mean, I, the number of players – and you know, David Aldridge, who we just had on the show, went there. Jarab Mustaf went there. I mean, it's it's endless, like, the number of players that have come through – that school Victor Oladipo went through there for that matter um was it a benefit to you to to come through a high school program where you know a lot of the guys in the NFL have been the guy their entire high school and college career and they're the greatest athlete in the history of their high school with all due respect you're one of many many great athletes that came through your high school how much did that instill in you kind of the initiative or the underdog nature that has carried you to this point uh, it definitely was good for me to go somewhere like that. Um, you know, you see all the great players. <clears throat> excuse me. You see all the great players who go ahead of you, you know, the Josh Wilsons, the the Victor Oladipo, the Markel, the Chase, you know, all those guys who've gone before you. And, you know, it's just motivation to go out there and, you know, do it for yourself as well as the guys who come before you. You know, they sacrificed. They paved the way so that we can have the opportunities we have. So it's definitely fun to be able to see them, you know, when they come to the building, when they came back to the school. And it just gave that added motivation to be like, okay, you know, they were in my shoes not too long ago. So what's the difference between them making it and me being able to make it? So it just, you know, something that pushed me every day in order to be able to just be the best I can be. Who paves the way for you in the Colts locker room? Who's the guy that so long as they are there and, and, and by the way, are you feeling okay? You don't have like a, you're, we're not, you're not going to be on the injury list with a cough and cold, are oh, you? No, 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 no. One of my teammates made me laugh. <laughs> Okay, I want to make sure. No, who's the guy in the locker room that that just kind of gives you – we all have this within the workplace where, like, when they're there, you just feel like everything's going to be okay. Who's that guiding force for you? Um, I would probably say, you know, I'll probably go back to last year. You know, he was here last year, um, Stephon Gilmore, you know, one of the first guys that took me in. 
and, you know, took me under his wing, <clears throat> someone I still talk to to this day. And then on top of that, I'll probably say, you know, DeForest Buckner, Taekwon, you know, the group of the D linemen who I always hang around, um, they're definitely there all the time, you know, just, you know, showing their consistency in practice and the way they prepare and everything. And, you know, just great guys to be around, guys that, you know, I hang out with every day on the field, off the field, in the locker room, out the locker room. So <clears throat> they're definitely there, you know, always encouraging, always, you know, uplifting and, you know, always trying to challenge me to be the best I can be every day. Cold safety Nick Cross is our guest. Nick, for those that say, well, the defense, the team as a whole is only playing this great because of the schedule and the teams they're playing against, what do you say to them to show that, no, when the playoffs start, we're, we're going to be this same team? It doesn't matter who's on the schedule. Um, I feel like, you know, we just got to show it in the work we put in. Um, you know, we try to go 1-0 every week, 1-0 every day, just, you know, go out there and execute and, and, and destroy everything in our path. You know, practice, meetings, walk through, just go out there, dominate those things, and it'll all translate to Sunday. So, you know, I'm not too worried about, you know, what the naysayers say and everything. You know, we just go out there. Every week is the same process, you know, win, lose, or draw, no matter who the opponent is, and we just go out there and try to compete at a high level and ultimately win the football game. Nick, lastly, Atlanta. You know, I, I think we now know that, that it's probably going to be Taylor Henneke that is quarterbacking for them. Desmond Ritter obviously has taken a lot of their snaps. That's kind of gone back and forth. How difficult is it to game plan for a team when you're not 100% certain who the quarterback's going to be? Um, it, can, it can provide its its it's difficulties, but at the end of the day, you know, we played Taylor last year when he was with the Commanders, um, <clears throat> and you know, we have a lot of film on Desmond. So it's just, you know, like I said, you know, we go out there, you know, for whoever's out there, we prepare, we watch the film, you know, we we are in tune with our assignments and what the defensive coaches have planned for us for this game, and just got to go out there and execute at a high level. Did you get to? Are you like Giannis? Did you get to keep the football from your first interception? Did you make sure that? Did you like go in the visiting locker room, make sure you got it for the mantle? Oh, no, yeah, the, the, the football is sitting in my house right now. So. Hey, there we go. That's yeah. what I like to hear. All right. Well, hey, Nick, we appreciate it. Best of luck, uh, obviously, against the Atlanta Falcons and down the home stretch here as you guys try to lock in a postseason berth and potentially an AFC South title. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, Nick Cross again from the Indianapolis Colts. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It has now been just about three weeks since our next guest was named as the head coach of the Indiana Fighting Hoosiers down in Bloomington. And what I love about it, Jimmy Cook, you know my number one factoid of fun about Kurt Signetti. There's a lot that I like about it, but you know my number one fun fact that I'm convinced, and if somebody can prove this to be inaccurate, it doesn't matter. I'm convinced it's still true. Give it to me. I don't know. He has to be. Has to be. The only man in the history of college football to coach not one but two different Indiana universities. Right? It's got to be an undisputed fact. I would agree with you. Can we ask him if if that's (laughs) that's the case? Coach Kurt Signetti, the new coach of the Hoosiers, joins us now. Coach, you've got to be the only guy to have that claim, right? I mean, you would think so. We don't know that factually, but I know the first one won a lot. This one's going to win a lot, too. Yeah, we're rolling with it, right? I like that. Listen, I want to get right to that from the get-go, and that is um, I appreciate because I've, you know, I know that you've, done a number, you've been on a couple of shows here on this radio station, for example, and you have not shied from talking about the fact that 
your vision, clearly, understandably, is to win football games in Indiana, and you are confident that's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, it, it, how much of that has always been the mantra, and how much of that is because you believe this is a program that needs that sort of belief pumped into it? I mean, you know, that's what happens in our program. It's not just me. It's our assistant coaches. It's players. It's choosing the right people as coaches and players. I mean, we've flipped the roster. You know, I feel like I've done this a couple times already. This is just a bigger stage. Um, but so wh- why shouldn't we be confident? I mean, we're used to winning. I guess we have to change the way people think. Not only are players uh, that were on the previous teams and still remain, but, uh, you know, the fan base, the general public, the state of Indiana. Um, I get it. Uh, maybe there is a little smoke in the off season kind of need to wake people up, get them excited. That's not a bad thing. Uh, you know, you get to be my age, you don't, you, you lose your filter a little bit. You're not worried about maybe pissing somebody off and maybe <laughs> I love help it. You down the road because you're near the end anyhow. Right. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. on about the 12th hole. So I got about 10, 12 years left. That's it. So, uh, you know, what else can I do except win here and create a legacy and and, uh, build this program into something that a lot of people thought was like impossible, but why should it be impossible? I mean, it's a beautiful place. I mean, we got what everybody else has, right? We have a commitment too from the president and the AD. They want to win in football, right? So I probably have some things other guys didn't have. And I also know what I'm doing. So with that, Coach, how much of – take me through the process. Kurt Signetti is our guest, the new head football coach at Indiana. The process of coming in of, you know, obviously putting your stamp on it, which you're you're in the process of doing. I think you've already kind of done that. But feeling through the roster and navigating through which guys are going to buy in, which guys that are going to stay, you know, having to kind of re-recruit guys that are in the portal. I mean, take me through the steps of – I guess, finalizing who your program is going to be and when you even know for certain what your roster is going to be. A lot of it's made easier by the portal, to be honest with you. So before the first day before I come in here, the old staff gets together. They do their own top 50 of remaining players on the team. It's averaged out by the director of football ops. It's sitting on my desk when I walk in the office. I know who the top rated player is, who the 50th rated player is, right? Um, 40% of those guys might be in the portal already, 35%. Okay. You interview the old coaches. You get a read on every player on the team. Uh, You know, this guy's a great guy, very productive, works hard, positive teammate. You know, this guy can't put it together. Okay. Who's in the portal? Who's still on the team? Those portal guys that haven't been productive, that have fallen into the negativity, excuse makers, guys that give up uh, point fingers at their teammates, you know, okay, you're in the portal, fine. I'll see you later. Um, the ones that have been productive, uh, high-character guys, really work hard, consistent day in, day out. You're trying to keep those guys. You don't keep them all. You keep maybe half. Uh, and then you got to go out and find your guys and guys that fit your program. That And I'm into, like, production, not potential. So I'm looking for guys that have put together a number of years as starters and have been productive have been relatively injury-free, right? And I'm not afraid to dip down a level to find those guys. We've been able to find them without dipping down a level. I've had a lot more success with those kind of guys 
than going and taking the second slash third team guy at Georgia that has enormous potential. He was just sitting behind some good players. Yeah, there's a reason guys don't see the field. So I want guys that have done it. Coach Kurt Signetti, new IU head football coach, is our guest. Coach, you mentioned the previous turnarounds that you've had building programs kind of from the ground up at IUP, at Elon, at James Madison. How is it different and how is it the same having the resources of a Power 5 conference? I know you mentioned the transfer portal makes it easier as well, but how is it different or the same on this stage compared to the other spots where you've had big turnarounds? The only difference uh, on this one is those other places, the, the transfer portal and NIL didn't exist then. So, you know, as long as you have a commitment uh, to be successful in those areas, then, then we'll be successful. There's nothing holding us back from being successful. So uh, in my mind, what's different? Uh, maybe the kids are a little different now in the NIL age, but I've been dealing with that for a while. The fundamentals of being successful haven't changed. So, Co- Coach, you said, and I don't know that I agree with this, that you're in the 12th hole. I'll, I'll say you're in the 8th or ninth hole. Is that fair? You know what I mean? Like, Because I'm, right, I'm only a few holes behind you. So, and in radio <laughs> lifetime, I'm probably in the 16th hole, right? So, based on that, right. I'm going to take a swing of a club here on pr- what is potentially, and I'm giving you permission to then say to me, you know, I've done a lot of these interviews, Jake. That's the dumbest question I've been asked. I'm giving you permission to say that when I ask this question, okay? All right. Um, here we go. When you're talking about your roster – and you are replacing an administration, and Tom Allen, who's now the defensive coordinator at Penn State, do you talk to, in the quote-unquote transfer of power, is there any conversation with the previous administration of, hey, I know that you're leaving this situation and it wasn't your call, but can I ask you about a few of the guys on the roster or those kinds of things, or is it an understood when a coach is being replaced that it is a rip of the Band-Aid and there's no contact for you to get a barometer of what you're inheriting? Well, you know, I do interview every assistant coach uh, for between 20 minutes and an hour uh, about the second day I'm on the job uh, and, and get a feel. I've pretty much kept the recruiting staff in place and the administrative staff, uh, you know, working through recruiting. So those people are still in place. Um, Tom and I actually share the same agent and, uh, you know, I've never met him and, uh, didn't talk to him. I know he went away on a trip shortly after I was hired. So didn't really feel, uh, you know, like the timing was right to reach out. So, uh, I got a good feel for who's who around here and what's what. Um, and, uh, you know, we flipped the roster and, uh, this team's going to look a lot, this roster is going to look a lot different in January when the guys come back. How will it schematically be different? People that are going to come to watch Indiana football are going to see, and and I'm curious, you you know, when you're coming from the Sun Belt, for example, is football football, or do you have to look at it and say, okay, what we did at JMU needs some tweaking, needs some changes, we've got to go under a completely different scheme, or do you just bring the same blueprint and hope it translates into the Big Ten versus the Sun Belt? The blueprint isn't X's nose. The blueprint is kind of what I learned from my dad, what I learned as an assistant, and a lot of what I learned from Saban. And then learned as a head coach. It's more philosophical. And what you believe in, and the principles and values of your program, and what you preach, and how you play the game, and the mindset you create, and the culture, the identity, the expectation level, the accountability. 
um, you know, X's and O's, a lot of great, you know, a lot of people have great X's and O's. Those, those don't win games, man. Uh, but since we're talking X's and O's, right, I think we've always been on the cutting edge offensively and defensively, and we do a really good job on teams. But you're always looking to improve because you really do get better or worse. You never stay the same. At the end of the day, you got to be able to block, tackle, run, catch, and do those kind of things to be successful. But you got to put your playmakers in position on offense to make plays. Uh, defensively, you know, you got to get your right guys on the field and do a great job stopping the run and pressuring the quarterback, right? Creating turnovers. Special teams have to be great, no question about it. And you got to find the edge every week, you know, and you are. You're coaching against guys that, uh, you know, have been doing this quite a while. But look, I mean, you know, there's bad NFL coaches. There's bad NFL assistant coaches. There are great high school coaches. You follow my drift? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I get, you know, the – I want to go back to your dad, actually, because when you talk about great coaches at the college level, I mean, your dad is a guy that's, you know, in the College Football Hall of Fame. He won a lot of games at West Virginia. He's also a guy that went to Indiana, not the one here that you're coaching now, but Indiana, Pennsylvania. Um, I believe, and you'd correct me if I'm wrong here, Coach, but, you know, you had Nick Saban as kind of a mentor. Your dad would have had that with Bobby Bowden, correct? Correct. How much of Bobby Bowden, um, I thought personally, Coach, and I want to go back to this, Bobby Bowden as, as a football man, you know, obviously had great success. And I don't know if this story is even maybe embellished or was Hollywoodized, if that's a word. But in the movie We Are Marshall, it talks about how after Marshall's football tragedy of their plane crash, that Bobby Bowden, who was at West Virginia, which was the big dog in the state, Marshall's the smaller school, the kindness that he showed in helping Marshall and and reaching out to them, or actually when they reached out, you know, being open to them, I thought it really kind of opened the door to what kind of a character person Bobby Bowden was. And uh, I'm curious what kind of, I guess, principles your father might have learned from Bowden, if any, that were passed on to you, and then as a result, how you were able to kind of combine those with the things you learned from Nick Saban, because we're talking about two of the real behemoths in college football history. Yeah, and then I had a run with Johnny Majors also. Um, I think, without question, uh, Coach Bowden uh, had the greatest influence on my dad as a person and a football coach. And, you know, it just so happened as a third grader when we went to Morgantown, uh, Coach Bowden's first year there, I was the kid on the sideline in the locker room at halftime, (laughs) you know, listening to Bobby Bowden talk to the team at halftime. Uh. So he had a big influence on my dad. And, you know, even though I never played for my dad or coached for my dad, my dad obviously had a very big influence on me. Uh, and when I went with Coach Saban, I had a number of years under my belt already. After one year with him, I, I felt like I'm ready, you know, because he had it together then. He had been a head coach for 11 years, put his years in at Michigan State, LSU, and the Dolphins. You know, generally when you're a head coach, you make you make your mistakes, you're one, two, and a few on three. By the fourth year, you, you're kind of up to speed. Uh, by then, Nick was in year 11. He was, like, on top of his game. So, like, that was a great learning experience. Was there a period for you, Coach? Kurt Signetti, the new football coach in Indiana, is our guest. You know, even with all of that and seeing success and having, you know, that blueprint, to use that word again, but for you personally, whether it be 
through the periods when you were an assistant or whether it be at IEP or Elon or, or maybe early in James Madison, was there a moment that you can look back on in the career of Kurt Signetti and say, you know, I ask my players to deep down, like dig and find beyond and break through a period where maybe they they are questioning themselves and I want them to break through that barrier. What was that moment for you? What would there Was there a moment in your career that you can look back on and say, that's where I was the most tested, and because I overcame that, I'm confident now yeah, that I'm about to turn around Indiana? I think the Elon story is pretty amazing, to be honest with you. Um, went in there. They had built nice facilities. It was a nice place. Um, I don't remember exactly what their record was over the previous five years, but it was really bad. Like I say five and 45, but it may have been eight and 48 or nine. You know what I mean? Right. And, and nobody on campus believed they could win in football. Nobody. The AD didn't even believe it. And, you know, I'd been a head coach for six years and, um, you know, we had, we had some talent on that team and those kids were hungry. And we went up to Toledo the first game of the year, and they won the MAC that year. And we really played hard. And and after that game, I said to myself, "We got a shot." And you know, I'm I'm pushing all the buttons I can to like, you know, get them get their juices going. Like, you know, the official pregame comes out, knocks on our door, says, "Coach, you got to get out of here. You're late." You know, and I'm like, "I'll take this team, blank blank team." out when I'm blank, blank ready, <laughs> right. you know, and they, they erupt, you know what I mean? And, uh, but we played well. We went on to win eight in a row after that game, just eight in a row. Like Nobel come to the game. They told me they couldn't get in the games, you know, signs. We want Bama. So the next year we're four and one, right? We lost to a power five team. We go up to JMU to play. Now we're a good football team. Somehow, some and they got like a 22-25 game home winning streak. Somehow we're a 38-point underdog. I, I can't figure that out, but we are. We go up there and, and beat James Madison. And so those two years, that season and that game and that moment, like I knew, like something special has happened here. And there are more special moments going to happen down the road. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Coach, when I was a student at IU, I won't out the coach, but it's easy to figure out the math there. Uh, it famously would come through the mess halls at times to try to get students more engaged, more involved behind the football program. IU students infamously are out of there by the third quarter because of the struggles that have been there. And I know you mentioned that Elon, it felt like across the board, even the athletic department wasn't buying into the football could be a winning product. Whereas at least in your case, it feels like the athletic department is behind you. Do you have a barometer yet of where the pulse of the fan base is, or is it too early for that in terms of, they believe or they buy into the idea that you can turn them around and make them a winning product. I mean, I've had people tell me that they haven't seen people this excited about football in 30 years, this time of year. I can only go by that social media group. You know, what percentage are they? I don't know. 
But, you know, they're they're doing cartwheels upside down. Never seen more cigarette memes. I'm not trying to promote that as bad for you, but they're out there. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, look, build it and they will come, right? It was a movie. I mean, win games, make it fun and exciting, and you'll pack the stadium, and it'll be wild and crazy, and that's what will happen this fall. Now, I'm going to guess – that like probably maybe even and this is I, I could be totally wrong in this. My hunch tells me the only misstep you've had so far, Coach, and it wasn't in public, is that you might have actually been rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Colts. I, I'm just guessing that you were a childhood Steelers fan. Am I off base there? Well, I went in the '70s. I was a diehard Pirate, Steeler, Penguin fan. But I'll be honest with you, I probably haven't watched an NFL game straight through maybe in the playoffs you know i get they get to the end they'll watch them i haven't probably seen three nfl plays all year yeah no i get that you're a little busy right yeah was roberto clemente your guy oh yeah i remember the day i heard where i was yep and uh, you would have been what probably nine years old right something like that nine or ten years old 71 around 10 that's the year they beat the orioles in the world series Yep, his, he had a double for his 3,000th hit. I think that was his last hit, actually. One of the great humanitarians and players. Um, Prado's a peacock, right? That picture? Yeah. Kurt Signetti, our guest, the new head football coach at Indiana. What's your favorite thing so far, uh, non-football related, just about Bloomington? Or, you know, I'm sure it's kind of a whirlwind, but you've had a chance now to kind of get your feet under you. Um, what do you like about it? What do you like about the community and just the, the position that you're in now? Well, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen the town during the day yet. And I live two blocks from downtown in a temporary house. I mean, I leave at 4.30 in the morning, it's dark. I get home 11.30 at night, it's dark. Um, what I like the most right now is the commitment I'm getting from the top to be successful and how excited they are and how excited the fan base is and the results that we've produced in three weeks here in terms of changing the roster. You know, the, the, the culture at Indiana, to your point, Coach, is, you know, uh, people love going down for the games as a social event. I, you know, I think Indiana fans have become just accustomed to seeing it as that and not a football event. And then you go out at Assembly Hall, you grab the microphone, and I wanna, I'm assuming you still stand by it, right? I mean, you grab the mic and the crowd went bonkers, because you, you just went ahead and said, you know what, Purdue sucks. And so to, it was the addition of Ohio State and Michigan that sold me, to be honest with you. Right? Like, was that just basically just impromptu, let's go? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and you stand by it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Coach, what goes into, I know you're not going to give us the secret sauce necessarily, but, but what goes into flipping a recruit in the transfer portal or, or, or flipping a player in the transfer portal or rather landing a recruit like you guys were just able to do with Tyler Cherry out of Center Grove? You know, a lot. I mean, football's changed quite a bit and there's a lot that goes into that. And You know, without discussing it in great detail, um, you know, recruiting's a lot different than it was five years ago. I would think, Coach, I, I was curious about this with the portal itself, because you've been very active in it, you know, on both sides, but, and and I, pardon my naivety here, are you, formally speaking, is a program not allowed to contact a player until they have officially thrown their name into the transfer portal, or, and I'm not saying your practice with it, 
but are there coaches that begin recruiting guys before they even have decided they're going to transfer because of the almost free agency nature of college football today? Right. Uh, you can contact a player in the portal uh, once he is in the portal. So even though he tweets he's going in, you got to verify it uh, online that he's actually in. Uh, does tampering go on? There's no doubt about it. It goes on. No. Do I do it? No. Do I tolerate it? No. Well, I, do I send a message to my coaches not to do it? Yes. Because you don't have to, right? You don't have to. They're going to be in the portal. And once they're in the portal, you can recruit them. It's like these James Madison guys, right? These guys chose to go in the portal, right? If I don't recruit them, somebody else is going to recruit them. So, you know, it just so happens today in college football, if you fire the coach or the coach leaves, a lot of guys go in the portal. Do I feel bad for James Madison that a lot of these guys went in the portal? I do because I really cared about that place. I like it. I like the people, the leadership, et cetera. But once they went in the portal, I got to do my job. You know, I'm 100% committed to IU. So I've got to recruit them. Coach, I've always felt that Indiana high school football is a little bit underrated in terms of the level of talent that you can recruit out of the state. You agree? It's hard for me to give you an intelligent answer on that one. I'm still learning about the state. Um, I mean, I truthfully have not spent a lot of time here in the past recruiting. Uh, I know where the I know a lot more about the state now than I did three weeks ago. I know where the pocket of players generally are. Uh, and I know there's good pockets. And I believe that building a program begins with your state. Well, Coach, in conclusion, when I was in college, I interned with a really dear buddy of mine who went to James Madison. He lives in the Philly area. He goes to James Madison football games about every home game. And he texted me literally the day of the announcement and was said, you know what? I'm really mad that you took our football coach, but I guess now it gives me reason for us to bond by rooting for Indiana. So we're going to try to get Doug Weiler to convert from – he'll still be loyal to JMU. That's his school, but we're going to try to get him on board with the Hoosiers as well. Let's go. We're going to get a lot of people on board. <laughs> I appreciate it. Coach, we'd love to have you back on. Enjoy getting to know Bloomington, and best of luck in the continued work with turning around the Hoosiers. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right. Kurt Signetti, the new head football coach at Indiana. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now, I'm going to make you guys very uncomfortable here. Okay? What's new? And it might make our next guest uncomfortable. I don't want to make him uncomfortable. But when I was doing the morning show with Kevin Bowen, which is now, of course, the wake-up call with KB and Andy, which I enjoyed working with Kevin and Mark and had a great time with it, but I'm not necessarily a morning person, right? And we, on a couple of occasions, had our next guest on the program, and I thought he was the best guest we had. I thought he was the most informative. I thought he was the most engaging. I thought he was the most personable, but I loved his energy. And had I stayed on that program, at some point I was going to ask him if there's any way that he could like do some sort of a vocal recording of, a, of an alarm clock for me, telling me to wake up. <laughs> because when you talk to him, then you want to run through a wall. Now, is that uncomfortable if I say that I'd like to have Bruce Weber on my phone telling me to wake up? No, I don't think so. But you want to ask him, but I, I don't think so. <laughs> it probably makes him uncomfortable, too. <laughs> he was on the call last night for the Big Ten Network with Indiana and Moorhead State Bruce Weber joining us on the show. Hi, Coach. How are you? I'm doing fine, and I, I, I'll do anything if it needs you need help getting up. 
<laughs> well, I'm telling you, man, you, you you are literally like instant energy. You're like the five-hour energy drink. I love it, right? Um, hey, uh, let I guess when you coach 340 days a year, you better have energy. Otherwise, you're in trouble. That is correct. And, and of course, it's all about getting getting guys with energy. So let's get to last night with Indiana. And, you know, it was obviously late in the game when they found that energy. But um, – Give me your overall assessment. Seemed to me like Indiana found something that worked for them against Kansas and stuck with it against Moorhead State, but they never really made adjustment throughout the course of the game, and that allowed Moorhead State to get out on them because Moorhead State handled it differently than did Kansas. But give me your assessment on, let's say, the first 60% of that game. Well, I really think it was a, a little bit of a hangover game. Um, you know, when I talked at the start of the broadcast, you know, my biggest worry as a former coach for for the IU team and this coaching staff was, were they going to be mentally ready? Did, were they going to have the energy, the intensity? And, you know, not only the hangover, but people don't always realize you get to these holiday games. They just finished exams last week, and now they get in this routine where they can sleep longer in the morning, because they don't have classes. Um, they get out of their regular routine, and we've always found that they get a little lethargic. So, you know, you have this tough loss where I thought for 30-plus minutes, 30, 35 minutes, they played as well as they could against Kansas. Obviously, they just didn't get the – they didn't finish the job. But you have that loss, and then you have the holiday part, and they just couldn't get it going. Um there was the coaches during the shoot-around. They were saying one of the assistants jumped in there and stopped it and said, hey, we got to start talking. we got to get some life going. And, you know, you think the coaches know it, but the players got to know it. And, it, you know, it's easier said than done. And, you know, that's what happened. They, I, It wasn't what they were doing I, as much as, how they were doing it, it you know, it's it, it's the execution, it's the energy, it's, and then at last, you know, whatever it was, last 12 minutes, you could just see they picked up the energy, they especially on the defensive end, and they, you know, got after them, disrupted them, uh, made it tough, got over ball screens, but there were some possessions early where it was just a simple ball screen, re-screen, and they were getting layups. Um, they were getting dives and you know tip ins. Uh, you know, just they they just didn't. They weren't on their toes and they weren't the aggressor. And credit to Morehead State, they did a great job. They're older guys. They, obviously, it's a big game for them, and uh, they were ready to play. And Indiana was fortunate at the end to finally start making a couple threes and some free throws, and then really doing a good job down the stretch of getting it inside which may put them in foul trouble and got to the free throw line, and they finally made their free throws. Bruce Weber is our guest. We're talking about Indiana's game last night with Moorhead State. Coach, in the Kansas game, it seemed like, you know, Galloway was able, Trey Galloway was able to get a lot of points for Indiana in that game because if they would go inside to renew or wear, then there was basically Kansas was saying, okay, like we're, we're going to stay here and not switch off down low and, and let the wings have their moments. And Galloway was able to, to capitalize on that. I felt like last night Indiana tried to do that more, and Moorhead State just said, no, we'll go ahead and, and kind of free up 
and, and double over it and cut off that wing, and that's where things became difficult. But it seemed to me like Indiana was too reliant on just that combo play and not facilitating offensively elsewhere. Am I being too critical? No, I think a little bit right. They they were they found something that worked against Kansas. Actually, Moorhead State found something that worked against IU's defense, and they they exploited it a lot of the game. Obviously, uh, the one player Jordan Lathrop, Lathrop, he went you know got in a heat check and went crazy. Had one of those magical games, but IU found something that was working against Kansas. Now they were trying to get it inside. They thought they'd have an advantage yesterday. But they were Moorhead State. Their whole game plan was to blitz that post, to um, double team the post, make it tough. They got some turnovers off of it. I think they really got Ware frustrated and took him out of the game. He had zero points at in the first half, and he's your leading scorer. So, and then they, you know, people adjust when you run a play. Um, you know, how are you going to guard it? That's the first thing. You know, a couple sets, the little handoffs where Galloway was getting down the lane. They just, Morehead State just did a better job of defending it than Kansas did, and they took it away. They disrupted it. Um, and now you don't make threes and you don't make free throws, and it makes it tough, you know, on your offense. And, you know, you can say, oh, the coach should have tried something else. Well, they, a lot of those shots were open shots and or got them to the free throw line. They just didn't make them. And that, that you know, and I for me, a lot of that is, just not being ready to play, um, you know, and, and getting that that mental part of it. And it, it, I looked at the at the end of the game. I'm looking. There's two freshmen, two sophomores, and and Galloway. And you know, so you got a lot of young guys out there that haven't played a lot of minutes, and they're going to go through some ups and downs and growing pains as as they move forward in the season. Big Ten Network's Bruce Weber is our guest. Coach, you mentioned this on the telecast last night, looking ahead to March and the fact that to this point in the young season, IU does not have any big marquee signature wins yet to their name. And a loss like that to Moorhead State, which again, they didn't lose. They found a way to win. But you highlighted late game that if they were to lose that game, that's one that could come back to haunt you on Selection Sunday. Is that something as a coach after the fact, after a loss like that, that goes through your mind at all of, okay, now we really got to pick it up because that might be a deciding game when the committee is either saying we're in or out or making the difference between a four seed and a seven seed? Yeah, there's no doubt. All, all these games can make a difference. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen now, but you know, they had three marquee games in that non-conference and, in you know, UConn and Auburn and Kansas, um, and they weren't able to get any of those. So now how do you get a marquee, marquee win? You, you're going to have four or five. I, I'm not sure. I didn't look at their schedule if they're playing Purdue twice, Illinois twice, Michigan State twice, Wisconsin twice. You know, so you're going to have four or five teams that you're playing once or twice that are going to be – you know, I would say marquee games, uh, you know, chances for marquee wins. So they can get some wins there, um, you know, but you don't want a bad loss like that. Um, and, again, I think, you know, Moorhead State's a good team. They're probably going to win their league. Uh, they had veteran guys. I was surprised by their uh, presence inside in the post. They blocked shots. The, the young man from – Xavier to transfer Miles was was really intimidating. Did a great job of 
uh, protecting the, the paint for them, which made it tough on Galloway and Ware and, and, and other people that drove to the hoop. Um, you know, so they're a good team, but I just, I'm looking at the net rating and you just don't want a home loss to a team like Moorhead on your resume late as you're getting in the late February into March. Speaking of that, Coach, Bruce Weber's our guest of the Big Ten Network. Has Purdue put together the most impressive non-conference resume of anybody we've seen like in the last five years? I, I mean, what Matt has been able to do outside of conference, and I'm not talking about March. I know people are going to bring that up, but it's really remarkable the wins they've been able to put together. But this year, to me in particular, the the, the good win column for Indi- for Purdue, excuse me, looks like a CVS receipt. I mean, it's just as long as can be. To me, it's as impressive as I've seen in a long time. What say you? Uh, yeah, I, I would totally agree. I talked to Matt yesterday for quite a while, and it was one thing we talked about. And it's it's it, it actually people don't realize how important scheduling is. And you know, years ago when I was a young young coach trying to figure things out, Coach Katie in a meeting said, you know. Scheduling may be more important than recruiting, and I looked at him and I was like, you know, you're, you know, you're crazy and all this stuff. But, you know, he he and he started talking about it, and he made me realize. And obviously, the more experience I had as a as an assistant and a head coach, that scheduling is important. When you have a team like Purdue, they needed challenges, they needed experiences against as many as many tough opponents they could get, win or lose. They needed those experiences, and and they played different styles. Um, you know, you got Marquette. You, even the the, ex, the exhibition game against Arkansas, I thought that was really smart to go on the road and play that game. Uh, you know, so they they played all these different teams from all different parts of the country. It not only gets their resume up there for you know hopefully a number one seed, but it also will have those experiences as they go into March hopefully into April uh, that these players have been through. So it's, it, it's, he was smart. It's a great resume um, and it helps to win those games. <laughs> you know, makes it, you know, when you, if you lose a few, ask Tom Izzo if he's happy about his schedule right now, it, it can put you in a bind. I, on the other hand, I would tell you Fred Hoiberg's done a great job at Nebraska and people have criticized him. He knew he was losing some veteran guys and he had a lot of new players. And he just played a bunch of home games, and now he's got some wins. He's got some experience. He goes to Kansas State and wins, and 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 wins a game in the conference against Michigan State. So all of a sudden, now they're talking about them being in the tournament. So again, they can schedule yourself into the tournament, and you can also hurt yourself and put yourself in a bind uh, as you proceed into you know later in the season. If you had too many tough games and you don't get any of those wins, it could make a uh, put a, your team in a big bind. Which team between Indiana and Purdue, Bruce Weber? And look, knowing what you need to do and being able to do it against a team are two different things. I get that. But between Indiana and Purdue, if you were game planning against either of the two of them, which one has the more clear-cut Achilles that you exploit and go after and say – the recipe for beating that team is the following. Would it be Indiana or Purdue that offers the more clear and easy thing to navigate in terms of de- determining what would beat them? Not not executing it, but determining them. Which one has yeah. more clear vulnerability? 
I think that's, I was just going to bring that up. You said executing because I talked to somebody this morning about this. You know, it's one thing to post trap, but if you don't practice it from day one and the scramble's out of it and it's not part of your regular game of you have daily, you can just say, oh, we're going to post that trap, Zach Eady, or where, and you don't have the rotations and stuff, it's it's hard to do. You just can't do that. You just can't add it into your system. It's got to be something you do daily. Um, so it, it that execution is important. There's no doubt Purdue has some Achilles heel. That they're you, you know, obviously pressure pressuring the guards, uh, post trapping Zach. You know, it, they're shooting so much better. It was so much more obvious last year. Make them shoot it from three instead of shooting the ball better, uh, it, that's kind of taking that away. Indiana has, um, I just think because they're younger and they haven't shot the ball away from three right now, they probably have more obvious game plan, Achilles things that you can take advantage of at this point. Now, can Coach Woodson, you know, can they continue to improve? From Auburn to Kansas, they made big improvement. And, it, you know, it helped to play Kansas at home, there's no doubt in Assembly Hall at a you know at a high pitch and a high level is a special place to play, and they took advantage of that. But they've made improvement. That's you know they have to continue making improvement, getting more out of other people to get Walker involved last night off the bench was huge. Uh, I think the two freshmen, you know, if they can continue to improve, not only on the offensive end but the defensive end too, it's going to make them more tough to game plan against because they have other options. Bruce Weber of the Big Ten Network, nice enough to take some time with us. Coach, you mentioned IU and their three-point shooting. On the year, they're about 27% from beyond the arc, and they take about just under four a game. The counter to that is, well, they're going to play physically defensively, and they're going to hit their threes, even if other teams are going to take a large volume of them. It's going to balance out. From an offensive standpoint, though, that amount of threes a game with that percentage backing it up I'm not talking about winning a national championship. I'm not talking about even being a second weekend team. Is it enough stylistically to win and make the tournament in today's college basketball if you're struggling like that and don't take a ton of threes? I know we've talked about it on the network. It it puts them in a bind. There's no doubt. And, you know, when you talk about game planning, you know, you saw it last night. Morehead State said, we're going to clog that lane. Now they had – it was part of their system, the post trap. They did a good job. They had a shot blocker, uh, so they were able to kind of boggle them up, and it, you know, it put them in a bind. And and you know, if they wouldn't have made a couple down the stretch, uh, you know, they probably would have lost that game. So uh, it it's going to make it difficult on them. Uh, you know, hopefully, it looks like Galloway's a little better rhythm now. So if he makes some. Uh, and Baco, it seems like he's playing with a little more confidence and can make some of those. Uh, you know, the big thing is who else can make them. And, you know, where will make a one, one every other game? I think that's got off a of pick and pop. There's no doubt. But it, can they find somebody else? Can Cups finally, you know, make one? Um, you know, is there somebody else that, you know, that can really step up and make a couple shots that will help Coach, which Big Ten team has the most versatile array of styles they can play effectively? Oh, man. Um, 
maybe Illinois right now. Uh, they they have such great length um, at all the positions. They're not like a big big team, but they have they're so big at the guard positions. And Shannon's you know he's an older guy, he's a veteran. And, you know it, it, he's been you know five years. I, I played against a freshman. He's a little skinny guy at Texas Tech, and you could take advantage of that. But he's gotten bigger. Uh, Gary A's really helped them. Um, you know, so they and and even Damas is is has a good frame and a and good size. So and you got a point guy, Ty Rogers, six seven. So, uh, you know, the one question for me with them is like when they went to Tennessee, if they can really score, if they keep them out of transition, can they score enough in the half court offense? And that's we'll see as conference goes as they go on the road. Um, can they do that? You know that'll be the big question. Hey, are you enjoying the TV and in, in you know obviously in this case radio, but you know just the TV work, whether it be in the booth with Dave and the guys at Big Ten Network or or being on the road and doing the cutter color analyst is is it hard not to revert automatically back to like looking at it and falling into coach mode? And have you enjoyed it so far? The transition. Yeah, I have enjoyed it. It keeps me busy, busy, um, and stays keeps me involved in it. I really love the people at the Big Ten Network, and I was there at Illinois when it started. I got to know those guys a little bit. As Dave Revson was the one I really got to know because I was on with him several times and did some shows even when he was with ESPN. Uh, but they're just good people, and they care, and they love the league. I think if you uh, listen to other, last year, the ACC, I think it was Coach Capel and somebody else that – we got to promote our league better. Um, the Big Ten, listen to the network. They promote and, and push the league. And, and I think our league does a great job. Obviously, Andy, Andy Katz, uh, he always sees things as sunny and bright. And, and he really tries to help uh, promote. And so that's great to have him there because he's got a, na- a national platform. And, and Mike DeCourcy also. So, I love being with those guys. I really, I didn't know if I'd like the games, and it's a little more stressful because you got so you got to do a lot more prep and knowing the players, and um, and I, I do love going to practice, shoot arounds, watching coaches, talking with them, getting to know them, and uh, you know, it, it, it's it's that part of it is fun for me, and it still keeps me excited, um, you know, and I so I enjoy doing it. I I only have. You know, they give me seven, eight games or so, but the, my main job is hopefully being in the studio, being the coach. Uh, I think they're going to add uh, Coach Beeline's going to add on on the weekends once we get into league play. So it'll be nice to have two veteran coaches that have been in the league for a long time and and uh, hopefully help promote the league. My only thing is sometimes i got to be careful not – you know, this is what I would do. I I, I don't want to get into that because then people start questioning. You know, Coach Weber said we should have done this or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so it's it's that part. It's that hard part. And I I try to watch what I say. I try to when it's obvious. Hey, you got to play with energy. You got to play. You know, stats back it up. They had Indiana had zero steals yesterday at halftime. Um, you know, they had one block shot. So. You know, they just – those stats, we call them play hard stats. You know, you can – you know, Hubie Brown used to uh, – years ago did deflections, and he said, I could always tell if my teams are ready to play how many deflections they have. Shaka 
Smart does that. You always see the boards. That and Tom Crean was all about the deflections. Yeah, it's it's huge, and uh, you know, it's just are you ready? Are you ready to play? You know, I think uh, are you on your toes or on your heels. Uh, you know, and that's that's a big thing to watch. So those things are, are obvious, and I think I can bring those facts out. But uh, I hate to like question the coach because I'm not at practice every day. <laughs> You know, people say, why don't they play the freshmen? Well, I can see it. They, they're they never in position on defense. And, you know, they they don't talk on defense. And everyone looks to the offensive part, but they're giving up layups off of a simple ball screen action. And, you know, you don't even see it because they're so out of position, you don't know they're getting exploited. But, you know, you got that's the thing you don't see as a fan or as somebody that's not at practice every day to recognize that so that's right hopefully i'm careful about it and don't over you know step my bounds with coaching as i'm announcing you got the best of both worlds now coach because you get to game plan go to shoot around go to practice like you're coaching then you get to watch the games from the sideline like you're coaching and then win or lose it doesn't affect your mood and you get to go out and have pizza like that's the best of both worlds right <laughs> Totally and different than back in the coaching days. Pizza and a beer definitely are after post-game <laughs> meals. So, I love uh, it. But I, you know what else is fun is I have a lot of coaches call me and just ask me, what do you think? And, you know, it's, it, you know Tom, Tom Izzo is a Hall of Fame, Naismith Hall of Fame coach, and he calls and I always have, I always kind of put in there a little asterisk, you know, coach, you – you're a Hall of Famer. I don't know if I can tell you something, but this is what I see. And, you know, when people, you know, even the Moorhead State coach, he texted me this morning and asked me what I thought. Uh, you know, so that's always fun, too. And I love helping and mentoring coaches. And, uh, you know, you can always keep learning. If you don't keep learning in the business, you're going to be in trouble. You know, last night, Indiana could have used a Bruce Weber wake-up call. That was the problem, right? And then once they got it, they're good to go, right? <laughs> Um, Coach, we appreciate it, and it's always good stuff, man. Always enjoy having you on, and we appreciate it and certainly look forward to watching you. Hey, if you need energy, you can grab a clipboard and you can break that thing and get yourself fired up. <laughs> you know, my manager screwed me up a few years ago. They gave me a, this plastic one you couldn't break, and I almost broke my knee on this thing. It just kept, <laughs> and it almost hit me in the face on the on the way up after it bounced off my leg. So, but uh, you know, so if you need a wake up call, somebody get some clipboards, get them in the morning, just slap yourself. It's it's a good way to get up. All right, well, we'll try it, Coach. I appreciate it as always. All right, happy holidays. All right, same to you. Merry Christmas. Bruce you Weber, too, of course, longtime college basketball coach. And uh, on the sidelines, one of the great college basketball games of all time, that great Illinois-Arizona game. Really good stuff.